Good morning. Would you please join me in the prayer for illumination? Let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in you discover our peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 20 through 24. Hear these words. For no human being will be justified in his sight by deeds prescribed by the law. For through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now, apart from law, the righteousness of God has been disclosed and is attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Good to be in the house of the Lord with y'all. How are y'all doing? So this morning, the 830 um, congregation, let me confess something. So I felt like that I should confess it to you as well. Um, I was on a Zoom conference with my preaching professor uh, about a week and a half ago and with some other seminarians. And she asked, what kind of preacher are you? And I said, well, I'm a transcript preacher. There was silence. The other classmates were silent. They admonished me somewhat and said, you need to stop using that transcript and just get out and preach the word. And so I said, okay, I will, I'm gonna try. But I'm telling y'all today is not the day. <laughs> but I am going to confess to you that I'm going to try. Uh, and it made me feel better whenever I was talking to Josh this morning and I was saying, you know, I, I, I know that this is a crutch. I know I need to step away from it. And he said, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> and I said, Whew. at least he said it was hard. And then Peter said, yeah, it's hard. And he's been doing it a long time. So I felt better. So since I've had that confession, I think that we should pray. I'm going to pray for y'all. Y'all pray for me. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for another day and the privilege to gather and hear your word proclaimed. Rescue me from me and hide me behind the cross so this congregation might hear your word in spite of anything that I say or that I do. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So there's this story uh, in the 19th century in London with these uh, two men that are pastors. Uh, one is Charles Spurgeon and the other one is Joseph Parker. And they both had churches in London. And on one occasion, Parker commented on the poor condition 
of the children that were being admitted to Spurgeon's orphanage. It was reported to Spurgeon, however, that Parker had criticized the orphanage itself. Now that never happens, not today, not in our church, right? <laughs> Spurgeon blasted Parker the next week from the pulpit. And I would have liked to have seen that YouTube video. I've seen a lot of other videos on preaching, but not that one. The attack was printed in the newspapers and became the talk of the town. People flocked to Parker's church on the next Sunday to hear his rebuttal. Parker got up, strained his clothes, <clears throat> and said, I understand Dr. Spurgeon is not in the pulpit today. And this is the Sunday that they used to take up an offering for the orphanage. I suggest that we take a love offering here instead. Well, the crowd was delighted. The ushers had to empty the collection plates three times. Later that week, there was an arc on Parker's study. It was Spurgeon. You know, Parker, you've lavished grace on me. You have given me what I didn't deserve. You have given me what I needed. We're in the middle of a sermon series called Methodism and You. And this week, I had been delegated to teach and explain to you about grace. That's easy, right? Go to seminary, they said. Get your MDev, they said. Be a board certified chaplain, they said. That'd be great. So, let's start. Grace is central to our learning and our understanding of God. But salvation and grace, it's a lot to wrap your head around. Let's look at grace from a biblical perspective and from the uniquely Methodist perspective. We heard scripture this morning from Paul in Romans telling us that none of us can be justified by our deeds or by our good works or being the best student, being the best Dow engineer, being the best teacher, being the best preacher. You see, the law exposes our sin, but Christ redeems our sin. We have all sinned and fallen short of the mark. That's all of us. That's the doctor. That's the, the philanthropist. That's the teacher. That's the person in seminary. We're all in that same lifeboat. And God is out there throwing the life preserver, throwing the rope, and says, you don't have to stay there. Come with me. A.W. Tolzer says, grace is the good pleasure of God that inclines, that inclines him to bestow benefits upon the undeserving. It use, its use to sinful men and sinful women is to save us and make us sit together in heavenly places. 
to demonstrate to all the ages the exceeding riches of God's kindness to us in Jesus Christ. The Greek word for grace is charis, which also means gift. Our relationship of Christ is a gift, a gift of himself. And it's sustained through countless gifts of love, love through the Holy Spirit that allows us gracious and holy living. We exist with God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, hourly, daily, might I even say by moment, with every step, only by God's grace. As Methodists, we have a distinctive understanding of grace. It infuses our understanding of the Christian faith and of life. By grace, I mean the undeserved, unmerited, loving action of God in human existence through faith in Jesus Christ and the ever-present Holy Spirit. Okay, let's, let's do that one more time. So grace is the unmerited and loving action of God in human, exis human existence through faith in Jesus Christ. Grace is something that we don't deserve. So God, the creator who made us and the world moves around, mostly behind the scenes, but sometimes not, is often ignored, most of the time overlooked, but is determined to get it all back and us all back. That same creator who loves to take something out of nothing has graciously called people like us to be in covenant partnership. God has gifted us with dignity and freedom, has summoned us to, to a responsibility for our lives and for the lives of the world. God calls us into partnership. God calls us, us, into partnership. Our faith is not a matter of what we believe. It's a matter of something that God has done. We are not a people that simply knows the world does not know, what the world does not yet know, or believes something that non-Christians don't yet believe. God shows up and continues to show up, even when we're not expecting or looking for God. So while the grace of God is undivided, we're gonna talk about it in different parts, if you will. We realize that it comes in prevenient grace, then it continues to justifying grace, and then it culminates in sanctifying grace. Prevenient grace is the divine love that surrounds all of humanity and precedes any and all of our consciousness. This is the grace that always has been, before the beginning of time, before you, before me, while you were in your mother's womb being knitted together. This is the grace that usually, that, that literally comes before we know that God is working within us. It's the grace that says, God Almighty is working in our lives, sometimes subtly, sometimes dramatically, pulling, pushing, convicting, and encouraging you. Grace is the engine 
of our salvation. Prevenient grace is a declaration that faith is not an achievement. It's not endowed by the good deeds that you do, not given to you because you're a good person, but it's a divine gift. In justification, we are through faith forgiven and restored to God's favor. The experience of justifying grace is a conversion or a new birth. So this change might be dramatic and sudden or over a period. It's a new beginning, yet it's part of an ongoing progression. So again, let me say that some of it can be instantaneous or can be gradual, like a transformation. And you hear that a lot from Peter and Josh from the pulpit, a transformation. We believe that we are moving on to perfection, but that perfection is a lifelong process. John Wesley stressed an assurance of, of salvation. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So our salvation doesn't depend on how we think, how we act, how we feel. Salvation is being made right with God or being justified and is a gracious gift from God. But justification isn't the end of the story. The sanctifying grace of God makes us holy. For the first time in our lives, we are actually doing good for God and neighbor. Our lives are healed and made truer to God's originating intention for us. To our surprise and delight, we wake up finding ourselves miraculously moving in the same direction of God, working with the grain of the universe because God is working in and through us. We begin to want what God wants. We begin to desire the same desires of God's heart. God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven becomes more of our desire than a statement that we just say. Sir Edwin Linzer was one of the most famous painters in London. He was born and lived during the Victorian era, and his talent developed very early. He was about 13 years old whenever he began, uh, whenever he was commissioned to do a number of official portraits of the royal family. And he even gave drawing lessons to Queen Victoria and Prince Albert. He was best known for the depictions of the natural settings of life in the Scottish Highlands. One day, whenever he was visiting a family in an old mansion in Scotland, one of the servants spilled some soda on the wall, and it left behind a large stain. So while the family was out that day, Lancer remained behind. Using charcoal, he incorporated the stain into a beautiful drawing. When the family returned, they found a picture of a waterfall surrounded by animals and trees. He used his skill to make something beautiful out of what had been an unsightly mess. God works the same way in our lives, sort of. The things that we think are, that are weaknesses and handicaps through his grace become our greatest strengths. 
The places where we feel unequipped and insignificant are the very things that he uses to bring glory to himself. God's grace provides the strength to meet every challenge, overcome every weakness, intersect with every handicap, respond to every inadequacy. To speak to every, you fill in that. What's on your heart that you feel that you're inadequate in? Or you're too weak to do? Or you're not smart enough to do? Fill in that line. So again, I want to remind you that this grace that we're talking about is one thing. And one thing is a theological word. I'm just telling y'all. So Reverend Will Willimon uses it in his book. And he's real big in the Methodist church, written a lot of books. So this is a real thing. Thing is a theological word. We understand and experience this gift through prevenient, justifying, and sanctifying grace. So if you think about it this way, God was around from the beginning of time knew you before you really knew him. Even though he was standing there like this. And then suddenly you said, ah, oh, there's God. And God didn't roll his eyes because God doesn't do that kind of stuff. Yes, I've been here all along. And then you were justified. You were forgiven and you were restored. But guess what? It wasn't just that. Then you were sanctified and God said, come with me. Come walk along with me. And you said, me? (laughs) Not me. Don't you see how messed up I am? Yeah, I do. But we're going to work on that stuff in your head and the other things you do. We're going to work on that. But I also want you to partner with me because I want to restore the world. Now, whenever I look out here and I look at some of you that are smirking like, (laughs) right, I'm going to tell you what I see. I see a person who works with God with the gifts that they have in playing music, beautiful music that reminds us of the beauty and the wonderfulness of God. I see somebody in here who is so passionate about greeting that they said, we're going to do a program here so that people will be touched and we won't just be a friendly church because guys, when you walk into Subway, they tell you hi. (laughs) Right? Okay? Now I'm preaching. We want to be more than that. So this person said, I'm going to step out and I'm going to do this. I see another person who adopted a child who had some issues and has walked through that child through the many problems that they have had. That's partnering with God. So I ask you to think about where God is asking you to partner with him. You see, as we have paid nothing for God's eternal love and nothing for God's saving love and nothing for the Spirit's intercessory love, 
We have also paid nothing for grace or faith. And guess what? We haven't even paid anything for eternal rest. What an astonishing thought to think that the, um, that the God of the universe is making you an immeasurable difference and showing us the difference between our receiving and our deserving. Lord, let this word fall on our hearts today. In the name of the Father, and then of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.